Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 177, Supernatural with Megan Fitzmartin. Yeah, we originally planned on releasing this around the finale of Supernatural, but apparently the season's back end has kind of been postponed because of the world. So I think now's a good time to listen to it as any. Listen, with so much of it streaming, it is always a great time to learn about the cosmology of Supernatural, which is truly what we talk about here, as well as the process of actually making a television show, which is freaking awesome. I have no idea what that is like. And Megan was so generous and fun and clearly loves this world. So it was really, really lovely. Yeah. And Megan, as you will hear from the interview, is a writer for the later seasons of Supernatural. So legit, guys, we went straight to the source. We did. We would also love to welcome straight to the source of our hearts, which is our Patreon supporters, Sarah, Ruby, James, Jesse, Andrea, and Tallulah. Thank you so much for joining. You are among the ranks of such distinguished patrons as our supporting producer level patrons. Landon, Nikki, Tyree, Megan, Deborah, Molly, Skyla, Samantha, Sammy, Neil, Jessica, and Phil Fresh. As well as our legend level patrons, Diane, Stephen, Milena, Francis, Clara, Brittany, Josie, Kylie, Morgan, BME Up Scotty, Audra, Chris, Mark, Mr. Folk, Sarah, and Jack Marie. Incredible. We are so glad that you are all with us. We say it every week because it is true every single week. We can only do this as our jobs because of the support of our listeners, whether that is sharing the show with somebody new to help grow our listenership or supporting us on Patreon. And as you consider supporting the businesses and artists that you really love and and helping to ensure that we can continue to do what we do, we really, really appreciate everybody who chooses to support us on Patreon. Love you guys. Julia, can you remind us what we were drinking in the uh, the morning recording we had here? I think Megan got up at 6 a.m. to talk to us. Bless her. She's so good. Uh, we, of course, had some brunch cocktails. It wasn't the weekend, but brunch can be any day because time is fake. So personally, we yeah. love a beer mosa, as we've talked about on the show. All you need is like a light lager. You could use a shandy. You can use an IPA if that's your jam. And then just top it with a little bit of orange juice. So good. I like a half and half beer to orange juice ratio mm. if I'm feeling like I need to drink a bunch of them in a row. Or you could just do a little little, uh, little splash. It's I like a little floater. so configurable. So good. Mm-hmm. And Julia, your taste in drinks is so good. Can you tell us what else we should be watching, reading, listening to? Yeah. So I'm still currently reading uh, Ghosts of Eden Park, which was my last recommendation. But I started watching Itaewon Class on Netflix. So it's another Korean drama. It's Buck Wild. You might remember my recommendation of Oh My Ghost a while back. Fantastic. But this is like a revenge story where a guy's life is basically ruined by this big restaurant chain owner. And so he makes it his life's work to surpass him. And so he does that by starting and opening up a pub in a really hip neighborhood in Seoul called Itaewon. That sounds incredible. And I would love to watch it while doing jigsaw puzzles, which is my uh, little secondary recommendation this week. I, I picked it up when I had a concussion last year, and it is very good for when you want to do something but not really think. Excellent choice. We are very excited to let you guys know that our scheduled live show at the Boston Museum of Science is now going to be a digital live show. We're going to be doing a virtual happy hour uh, still hosted by the Boston Museum of Science, and we will be giving you the same live show we were going to, which is Mythological Doggos and History. (laughs) It's going to be a lot of fun. I've been really enjoying the research that I did for it, and it's going to be an absolute blast. And plus, we have a signature cocktail for that. So that's going to be fun, too. 
we do. Uh, everybody who bought tickets to the live show has gotten or will be getting very shortly a refund. And it's now free to attend. So all you have to do is register um, for the Eventbrite totally free in advance. That's at spiritspodcast.com slash Boston. And the live show is happening on May 6th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. And we also want to remind you that you can support Multitude and get some cool stuff by signing up for the multi-crew. You can get weekly episodes of Head, Heart, Gut. This month we are arguing what is the best ingredient in a BLT, which was a lot of fun, let me tell you. You did a great job on behalf of bacon, Julia. Thank you. I was going between lettuce and bacon, and I think I made the right decision with bacon. But uh, And editor Eric, of course, took lettuce because he is always the, the champion of the... <laughs> The least likely <laughs> the dark to win. He loves a dark horse. And we also premiere stuff like our pilots for upcoming multitude shows or stuff we're workshopping, such as Meddling Adults, which is hosted by Mike Schubert, where it is a competition to see who can solve the most children's riddles from stuff like Encyclopedia <laughs> Brown. And they don't... Shockingly hard. It's very hard. I was in the pilot episode of that as well against editor Eric, and it was a challenge. Yeah, so we dropped this to the multi-crew feed so if you join the multi-crew for as little as $5 a month, you not only get a new weekly show from Multitude, but also you get first access and the chance to help shape and give feedback on new stuff Multitude is working on. We use the money from the multi-crew to pay for our studio and to help make sure that we have this kind of infrastructure of time and space and being able to make new things for you and for each other. So it is a really, really meaningful way uh, to support all of Multitude and to fund new work from hopefully people that you like and shows that you really enjoy and want to see more of. I also want to say another one of the benefits of joining at the $10 tier is you get access to our Finsta, where lately I have been providing how-to guides to make cocktails, and it's a lot of fun. It is extremely exciting. All of the hosts have access and everybody has been adding to it. We also do a newsletter every other week. So we tell you like what we've been playing and give you screenshots from Animal Crossing and uh, not posted on social media photos of our baking and cooking. So it's really a pleasure um, to, to know that folks like our work enough to support it and not just to support what we make, but new things that we are working on. So that and everything else about all of the benefits you can get at the Multicrew is at multicrew.club. Without further ado, we hope you are well, and we hope you enjoy Spirits Podcast Episode 177, Supernatural, with Megan Fitzmartin. We are so excited to have Megan Fitzmartin on the show with us today. Megan uh, has written for Supernatural and is an all-around Supernatural show guru, also the co-host of Wine and Comics, and the producer and writer for Red Rhino, which is a wonderful audio fiction show. Hey, Megan. Hello. If you like uh, superheroes, Red Rhino is the show for you. <laughs> Thanks. Hi, guys. Happy to be here. Good morning. Thank you for joining us very early from uh, from California. From oh. the L.A. Yes, exactly. You guys get to hear my morning voice. Aren't you lucky? <laughs> I love a good morning voice. I find them much more sultry than my regular voice. <laughs> well, I was also going to say, if, if we're talking about supernatural, nothing says supernatural more than like a deep growly voice. So, you know. It's on exactly. <laughs> Everyone's got that uh, that vocal fry, but in the the hot man way instead of the quote unquote annoying female way. And, right. uh, anyway, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Bringing it back, making it ours. Megan, as a uh, as a person who's used Tumblr, uh, I know a bit about Supernatural, but I would love to hear from you. The sort of like if someone says like, what what is that show you work on? What's it about? How do you answer that? Oh. What is the sort of like high level summary? Man, I mean, if it's if. 
if it's my mom asking, I generally say, a show that you don't want anything to do with. Thank you very much. We made God by. But beyond that, ultimately, it's a show about family. It's a show about, you know, these two brothers just kind of trying to live their lives after trauma um, and making the world a better place. And so and, you know, the thing that I love so much about genre television and like you you can see this in Buffy, you see this in Angel, you see this in Lost even like the like genre television does a lot of really good heavy lifting in terms of paralleling uh, the stories that the emotional stories with the, the actuality. So like, for instance, uh, I, I, comic books do the same thing where it's like, you're like, the world's gonna end. And like, that may be how you the the audience is feeling, but you know that that's not true. But there's something cathartic about seeing <laughs> it happen in real time for this story and how people kind of overcome it. And Supernatural does the same thing, I think, with like, you know, dealing with dealing with trauma, dealing with identity, dealing with loss, dealing with grief. Um, the show does a really good job of of sort of grounding those emotions in a way that um, if you are like me and you don't know how to deal with your feelings, uh, it explains it a little bit better. Mood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Big mood. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome. And that's a lot of what I definitely go to fantasy and science fiction for mm. are sort of, you know, the, the the maybe lens is fantastical, but the things that people deal with are really cathartic and really relatable. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, it, it just also helps that they're two uh, attractive boys. So, you know, doing their thing. That does help <laughs> everything. So many moody filtered uh, screen caps oh, on my dash. It's so great. The single man tier is just its peak. It truly is so good. And it's amazing to have a cast that's been together for so many seasons. This is season 15, 16? Uh, we're going into 15. Yeah, 15 is our last season. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That is so many seasons. That is so many years of putting people to work. And I appreciate that as, you know, uh, you know, Hollywood and the industry as a whole are, you know, hit or miss when it comes to yeah. whether or not you're going to have work the next season. <laughs> it is uh, the most consistent job in Hollywood, uh, for sure. In that way, it was definitely a blessing. Like, there's there's a lot of, like, hard stuff that come out of that, but um, also some really good stuff that we've had uh, a lot of our crew has been on since the pilot, like, or since the second episode, wow. depending. Yeah. So it's, it's a really special. That is wild. It's a special thing, for sure. So talking about the sort of longevity of the show and building a world and a story over that length of time, um, can you tell us a little bit about like the cosmology of the world? What is the sort of structure? I know we deal with angels, we deal with demons, we deal, you mentioned like the figure of God. So can you tell us a little bit about who we meet and sort of Supernatural's take on what all of this means and how they relate to each other? Yeah, um, it's it's really interesting. I actually think that um, Supernatural is probably one of the... I'm. I'm not saying this from a biased perspective, and I understand it's going to come across that way. I think that Supernatural is probably one of the best, well, uh, like one of the most well-written shows for genre. And not just because, like I said, I'm biased towards it, but also because like looking at the early episodes and how it built the world is just a masterclass. Like the that pilot episode is probably one of, so, you know, whenever you're writing for television, you're always told to like go and look for other pilots to read, to study, because um, you at some point will have to write a pilot episode. And Supernatural is one of those pilot episodes that I tell everyone to read because it is just so tight. It's so perfect. And it also sets up the world really well. Like not only do we see our character, like not only do we get the like, you know, victim of the week in the very first like, 
five minutes of the show, which is what the structure ends up becoming mm-hmm. for the rest of the show, the victim of the week for the first five minutes are our main characters. And so like we're now invested into this world and we're also now invested in like I understand kind of the it's just the wacky and weird that's happening here. And so like that first season is a lot about, you know, the lore stuff. Uh, it's a lot about like stuff that you tell around a campfire. Uh, and then, you know, you start to kind of pull back and, and you start to realize, oh, well, demons exist here. And like demons are the really big like surprise of the first season. And then like second season is when Supernatural jumped over to it, it wasn't the WB and became CW. And so there was there's some really interesting. Um, uh, you can start you can start to see some network notes, which are really interesting for me. But like. <laughs> Then you start to kind of build the world out a little bit more. What does it mean that there are demons? That probably means that there's a hell and like you pull back a little bit more and and you see that there's a trickster god. You see that there's like all sorts of things. And then, you know, the big reveal for season four, it kind of revitalized our entire show by introducing angels. And so it was kind of a slow Mm. burn in terms of just like building the world and building building the mythology uh, I mean, because we didn't fully introduce like we we talked about God, but we said that God was um was not present. Uh, we didn't fully introduce who God was until season 11. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we talked about him like starting in season four, even a little bit before that, but mostly in season four. And then, uh, yeah, but like just just the incredible slow burn of world building because I'm a person that like I want to tell everybody everything right off the top of my head and so it's been <laughs> I have so many notes let me share them with you I know exactly I have a hundred thousand words <laughs> I've thought about everything um, let me prove to you that I have thought about everything for this world listen this is how money works and it's really important that I tell you every <laughs> single kind of coin and what the what the uh like nut to coin ratio is oh boy I've created a whole language and I would like to sing a whole song about it that will last a chapter and a half Tolkien but I mean which I yes you know, correct <laughs> listen Props to you. I will not be reading that song. We uh, we recently did a interview with uh, author Garth Nix. Yeah, yeah. And one of my favorite parts of that interview is um, we were asking him and he was commenting on the uh, Sumerian. Oh, yeah. And we were like, well, would you ever want to write a book like that for one of your books? He's like, no, I'd rather just write a book. Yeah. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> I'd rather okay. shoot not, shot, man. my dude. Yeah. I'd rather not put all that work into it. <laughs> Super valid. But yeah, I mean, like that looking at... <laughs> It's an interesting uh, lesson in prioritizing. So what was prioritized is the relationship of the boys, maybe a little bit more than the world itself. So what's really important mm-hmm. is uh, Sam and Dean and how they react to each other, how they relate to each other. And the world beyond that is only important as it relates to those boys. Right. Which is really cool. Like, and, and just from a writing perspective, like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's how you should do things. Yeah. Focusing on the micro and having the macro kind of exist in the background. Right. Exactly. And be, and like having it be informed that. by your characters, like making sure that the choices that you're making are mm. always character choices rather than, you know, th- this is a cool world that I think that is really cool for world reasons. Well, cool. that And it may be a really cool world, but I know that I'm probably not going to care about it until it is directly connected to somebody that i i have begun to care about totally 
I think it's really cool too, uh, kind of hearkening back to what you were saying about the pilot and, uh, you know, having the victim of the week, the monster of the week kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The first ones being, you know, the, the brothers. Mm-hmm. It, it's so like, it just fits the Joseph Campbell's yeah. hero's journey so well because you have to introduce those reluctant characters into the journey. And, you know, if you're just kind of joining them in media res, you're not as invested. Yeah. So I, I love that as an idea. It's, I'm telling you, it's one of the best pilots, like, hands down from a pure structure perspective. So when you guys are thinking about uh, sort of emotional growth versus plot versus like world building and, and continuing to kind of raise the stakes and like expand the lens of the world, um, how do you approach writing individual episodes versus the whole season? Our room is a little bit different than most rooms. We're not in it as much. We're with each other all day, all the live long day around mm-hmm. each other. Um, but we're not, but it's interesting because to me, so much of it is about learning through osmosis and learning and like kind of adjusting the story as it relates to like, oh, I have this really cool idea. And then you start to think about it and you start to kind of talk through it with everybody. Um, and then you start to say, okay, like, where do we want them to go? Um, and we don't, I mean, we look at it almost in parts. Um, that's always how I've been kind of taught to do television is that we look at the season, not to have it at the very, like not to have the end goal be where you're going. Like I don't, this season's a little bit different because this is the last season. And so we did have to kind of figure out how we're going to end it for, Mm. for most seasons. Uh, you know, we don't really know what that end's going to look like yet. Definitely not when we start. And which is also just like, part of television that's really cool is that so much of television and the the cool part of television or collaborative storytelling is leaning into the the strengths of the people around you not just the your other writers but also your actors and also the crew and also post and like what's the cool thing that everyone can bring to the table and sometimes that story changes depending on like oh i really like this actor this actor has been doing really like uh we uh in season 12, we introduced uh, Lucifer's child. Like, somebody got pregnant with Lucifer's baby, because sure. And... Classic. You know, as you do. And uh, it, to her credit, didn't know that it was Lucifer. So, whatever. Also, apparently... I usually don't. <laughs> also, apparently the first time Lucifer had sex, it, we're unclear. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> You would think that Lucifer would be like getting it down more. Apparently you know? not. He was quite surprised by it. Mm. Um, but then uh, she's an amazing actress, Courtney Cox. She's on Legends of Tomorrow now. Uh, but she gave birth to uh, basically Lucifer's son, who was about, you know, a 20 year old man. And <laughs> he. Uh, his name is uh, the actor's name is Alex and we love him and we weren't sure like we weren't <laughs> sure if we were going to love him we weren't really sure if he was going to like how he was what he was going to bring to the character and just we the more that we saw him on uh, on screen like uh, in the dailies and things like that we were like oh great we can write towards this because he's phenomenal um, and mm, it's also awesome. the same thing that happened with like Misha Collins like Misha Collins came on season four and wasn't planning to be like he was he was the introduction to angels into our world and and that was kind of it uh but he was just flawless at it like he was just truly it it truly felt like he belonged on the show same like alex alexander calvert so it's you know you lean into that too with storytelling and 
that's I think another part of what what we do in our stories is that like we lean into it we see what works what doesn't but then we also like we know these characters super well where do they need to go what emotional things do we owe and also how can we tell a cool story so like any combination of those things <laughs> ends up making the show yeah yeah, I'm I'm very curious about uh, the the demonology and the hierarchy of angels and stuff in the show because you know uh, demons and angels. There's a lot of canon about them in Christianity, right? Uh, but then you guys introduce stuff like trickster gods and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I'm curious as to like where you draw the line versus like sticking with the canon versus creating something new entirely. I, I'm just curious about that process because it always fascinates me. I think something that we enjoy doing on the show is looking at looking at the canon and saying, how can we how can we bring something new to it or how can we surprise an audience? Something that um, I so I went whenever I first got on the show, um, I liked the show already. And so I had read or I had watched all the episodes. And so whenever I got on the show, I was like, I I want to keep learning. I'm going to read all of our episodes and which we're in. We're over 300 now. That was, it was a feat. It was like a long process. That's so many episodes. <laughs> so many scripts. But uh, one of the things that I was really impressed by is that um, the thing that Supernatural did really well at the very beginning and kind of spoke to what the rest of the show would look like is that it um, it utilized audience expectation and therefore could subvert it. Uh, so the example that I always kind of give is if you see a woman running in the woods, like a woman in a white nightgown running in the woods, that's one page worth of writing, but you've already told a story and you've already set up expectations for the audience. Like that's so much work that was done with just writing one page of the story. And then what you do, knowing full well that your audience is going to expect that girl to be the like victim of the week, you turn it around and make her the werewolf. And that, you know, it's it's building off of the like expectations, it's building off of it's knowing it's knowing the myths, it's knowing the the religion, it's knowing the backstory and saying, how can we subvert this narrative? Which is which in itself leads really well into why Supernatural, I think, is a very funny show and also a very meta show, because it's always been meta. Like you look at some of the early episodes and you see how it's always kind of been very aware of itself, which is what a meta show needs to do. It's mm. it's always been able to say, oh, okay, this is that. This is we're going to change we're going to change the format on its head and therefore we are going to be a meta show. Like you just can't not. And so it's the same thing with like Vampires. Vampires on our show are very different than uh, than vampires of lore. Uh, and it's in part because especially if you're telling a story and you're telling a story to an audience that like for the most part is fairly horror suave. Like they're 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 savvy. Right. They know what they know what you're talking about. How do you how do you spin it on their head? And so that was the that's that's the precipice the same thing with angels so like one of the one of the jokes is that angels are dicks which is the opposite of what you would think (laughs) of an angel um Mm. and so just kind of taking taking the expectations and just turning them on the head like turning them on its head uh is just something that I think that we do for a lot of our mythology is like oh okay this is what you're expecting which is good like that's what you should be expecting that's that's 
kind of what the narratives thus far have taken you, how can we subvert that? Is there a piece of the lore from the show that is your favorite piece of the lore? I don't know. I like I love the way that we do lore. I love the way that we um I love the way that it asks questions. I think a lot of lore I think that the the difference about our lore that um is different because lore in general, right, is supposed to answer questions that are uh yeah, strange for people. Like why why does why did my crops die? Oh well, I probably upset some god. That's that's the only reason that the crops died, mm-hmm. not because there was no rain, and or like whatever <laughs> reason. Like the lore's lore was always built to answer a question, and I think what I love about our lore, it actually exists more in the gray area. Like our lore exists to ask mm-hmm. questions. Our lore exists to say, okay, you know, for we have a werewolf character, Garth. Uh, who's great. He's played by DJ Qualls. What if one of our, our characters that we love and know become a monster? Well, what do you do then? Do you kill them still? Or do you yeah. try and exist within that? It's the same thing with, with God. It's the same thing mm. with angels. Like this, They are supposed to be the good guys. What if they're the bad guys? Um, but also demons are bad guys. What And, and the, you know, the, we, we ask the question a lot about free will. And I think that that's something that I I love so much about our show. And and in terms of the lore, the lore almost always exists to ask questions rather than to answer them. I really like that. Thank you. That's a great answer. (laughs) And I mean, I imagine that that opens up so many possibilities for you all writing wise as well. Yeah. Because there's so much pressure, as I know myself, from like trying to uh, write novels, you know, for NaNoWriMo. Like, yeah, there's so there's so much pressure to answer every possible question right. that at least I felt as a writer and and to like make something that is so airtight that no matter what question someone asked about it, like there would be a really logical answer. But mm-hmm. approaching it from like, how can we, you know, open the world, pose a question, like raise some stakes, you know, make you look at what you know differently. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just like intriguing and exciting. Absolutely. This is what's interesting to me. And I actually, I deeply love stakes. I need every story to have stakes as uh, I think most people do. But I also love um, <laughs> False Jeopardy. I think False Jeopardy is so interesting, especially for a writer, because especially... What is that? False Jeopardy exists primarily for our show, where you you don't die. Like, what, how can, what's the worst thing that could happen because you, gotcha. you're, you're never going to die? Like, we've died, our boys have died so many times. Like, what's the point? <laughs> my, uh, my boys. My they boys. Just, they die all the time. My sweet, sweet <laughs> boys are just always dead at some point, some way, someone always dies. <laughs> So how do you, when your characters have died so many times, uh, superhero narratives also have the same issue when, you know, you have, and I actually read, this is maybe a side tangent, but like I I read an article by one of my favorite comic book writers. His name was Mark Wade, and he was writing Flash at the time and he was talking about how, you know, how do you add in Jeopardy? Because I think it was like, it wasn't even a Wally West book, like it was Barry Allen's book, but Wally West was there and whatever, whatever. Mm. Um, and he... He had inserted the false jeopardy of, you know, uh, Wally West has twin girls and and or twin not twin girls but twin children and they were gonna die and so the the premise was that Wally had to save his twins before they die essentially but you as the reader know that they're not going to die it's not their book like if the, if this were their book then maybe we'll be sad but like also who dies in a comic book story like how does that like. Right. Even if you die, you're going to come back. How do you add any sort of jeopardy to it? And the thing that Mark Wade said was ultimately he got to the point where he like 
there's this there's a moment at the end of the story where you know he saves the day woo everything's fine uh but he's off in the corner during the party and his wife linda comes over to him and she says well why you know you should be celebrating why are you upset and wally goes because i chose in that moment i chose which of my children i would save and now i have to live with that oof and like that's 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 what's so cool about it like that to me is the beauty of false jeopardy is saying okay you're right like those stakes those the killing stakes are not interesting because we've done that so much on stories like we've we've made it a joke do you know what i mean whereas what's (laughs) interesting then is how do you emotion like how are you emotionally affected by this and i think that that for our show is something that i i love so deeply is that like it's not actually about who dies it's it's who lives and how you're affected by it. Like, what is the emotion? What is what? How are you emotionally growing and emotionally affected by these stakes that don't seem to be stakes, but are, in fact, damaging something else, I think? Yeah, I think one of the hardest things as a writer is understanding that there are fates worse than death. Right. And finding out what that is for the character that you're writing is really, really important. Mm-hmm. I always think of as a great example of that uh, Griffin McElroy in the suffering game arc of uh, the Adventure Zone. Yeah. Just being able to pick out exactly what like emotionally tolling things he could do to really impact those characters exactly. and make them decide. Affected both them and me specifically. Like that's my favorite mm-hmm. arc of yes. uh, the Adventure Zone. And it's so much so that I, I have two rings that uh, signify from that from that space uh, that are two spins. Like I love that. And it's exactly the reason you're talking about. Oh, love that. Oh, God, that's so cool. <laughs> I know. I think I, I never succeeded as a fiction writer because I just don't want to make anyone suffer. Like, it's just extremely <laughs> challenging it's for really me. I can only write ho-punk. Yeah. It's really hard. It's it's a thing that I, I've been trying to push myself more and more because, yeah, you're right. Like, I, I look at the way that some people treat their characters and I'm like, why would you do that? Um, <laughs> but you have to. You gotta. They'll be fine. Yeah. They're fake. Gotta raise those stakes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and like give them a chance to grow and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We are sponsored this week by Stitch Fix. I know that I would really love it if every clothing store had like a bunch of options in a bunch of different sizes and knew the colors that I liked and looked good in and also let me try things on in the comfort of my own home and then send back whatever didn't work. So Stitch Fix is focused on making all of that happen. Fashion changes, but true style doesn't. So you can help build timeless looks that work again and again by working with a Stitch Fix styling expert who learns your tastes, what you like, what you're looking for, the kinds of clothes that you already own to make sure that whatever you get goes well with what you have. And they also have like consistent sizing. So they negotiate that whole business of like a medium at this one store is not a medium at another store. So you give them your sizes and they send items that they know will work for you. Amanda, what have you been loving lately from your Stitch Fix collection? I just rotated out some of my spring and summer clothes, and I have a a green dress from Stitch Fix last year that I got for a convention, and I really love it because it's extremely comfortable but also looks a little bit fancy. So I can really just, you know, appear to be way more together in my video chats than I actually am. 
I've seen it. It's very cute. Thank you. And everybody, you can try Stitch Fix for yourself at stitchfix.com slash spirits to get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. So if you keep anything at all from your fix, the $20 styling fee is applied toward whatever you keep. Shipping and exchanges are always free. They're also very easy. And if you end up keeping everything in your box, you'll get 25% off by going to stitchfix.com slash spirits to sign up. Yeah, and the best part is there's no subscription required, and you can schedule them for any time. Again, that's stitchfix.com slash spirits for 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. Amanda, things have been depressing lately. It's been a little bit rough out there. It has been. And I am looking for content that is not going to make me feel even more isolated than I already do. And that is why I am really, really grateful for our play gear. This is a new kind of current events podcast from Joseph Fink of the Welcome to Night Vale fame and Alice Isn't Dead. It is an island in a sea of bad headlines. It's a this sort of experiment in public anxiety. And like, it's been a scary year, but I realize now that I don't have to be scared alone. It's really powerful. It, you know, you acknowledge your anxieties, you acknowledge the fact that it's extremely uncertain, but doing it with others there's just something really powerful about it. Yeah, so Joseph and other prominent writers like Cory Doctorow, Nisi Shaw, Night Vale's Jeffrey Craner, they document this year as it is lived week by week, the big and the small, the tragic and the funny. And alongside that, they also feature regular voicemails from listeners who are describing their own extraordinary and also kind of ordinary moments. And their plan is together they can tell the story of this really buckwild year and live through it. Absolutely. And if you like, you know, the empty bowl and the listener voicemails that come in that, or if you like the hilarious world of depression where uh, listener letters make up a big part of the show, I really love hearing from other people and knowing that I can count on a space that doesn't try to cover up what's happening, but also isn't dwelling in anxiety. So you can find our plague year anywhere that you get your podcasts. Or go to nightvalepresents.com slash our plague year. And now let's get back to the show. Just given the, the timing of when we're talking to you, do you want to speak a little bit about endings and what makes a satisfying one? Kind of what's on all of your minds or what's on your minds as you approached um, kind of storyboarding and then executing the season? Well, I mean, we're a 20 episode <laughs> show, so our ending is so far away. <laughs> Every <laughs> everyone, everyone's asked me. So it's it's October when we're recording this, and everyone everyone's been asking me that, like in my friend group and whatnot. Are you sad? Are you sad the show's over? And I was like, when when is it ending though? Like, what are you talking about? We're not anywhere close to ending. There's a lot of work to we're do. We're on episode like three right now. Exactly. <laughs> We've got so many more episodes. Uh, I'll be sad in January, I think, is when when I... That's fair. Do you know what I mean? Because I think that our our, our last uh, our last shoot is going to be like in April or something like that. So that as that mm -hmm. gets closer, I think that I will feel a type of way. Um, but yeah, in terms of endings, like it's funny you brought up the, uh, the Adventure Zone because I just listened to that for the first time last year. Uh, and that mm -hmm. ending is so well done. And I'd been thinking a lot about endings and what makes a good ending. And I hate ending stories. Uh, my friends make fun of me because mm -hmm. I, I haven't seen the last episode of most shows that I love. Oh, I just watched the end of Parks and Recreation. Okay, good. Took me Great. a good few years. I feel yeah. I feel better about that then. That makes me feel I like I haven't watched oh, the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. I haven't watched the end of Battlestar. I haven't watched the end of uh 
the third season of Veronica Mars, and I have watched season four, but I won't watch the end of Veronica <laughs> Mars. Uh, it's different. It's hard. It took me, uh, one of my favorite shows was the Justice League animated show, and I, I think it took me four years. So good. Oh, so good. And I think it took me four years to watch that last episode uh, because we were going to record over the VHS tape, and I was terrified I was never going to get to see it because this was before straight painting. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean... Yeah, in terms of endings, it's it's figuring out how do you emotionally resonate and also being okay, I think, with the fact that no one's going to be okay with the end. Um, but Megan, I want everyone to like me so much. So much. Oh, man. Can I, can I just tell you that working on Supernatural has really killed that in me? <laughs> uh, the internet has some strong opinions about me one way or another, which is fine. Whoa. Yeah. The internet always has strong opinions about everything. That's the problem. Truly. Yeah. Truly. And something someone loves so much. Like, ultimately, it is it is a testament to your work that somebody cares enough about it to feel really invested. But the emotional experience of uh, someone saying that all your work is, like, wrong and also specifically bad. Oh, yeah. It's, is real. It's, it's honestly, like, I don't know. I've come around on it because I'm like, this is really beautiful. Like, the amount of passion that it inspires. Like, the thing that actually is t- more terrifying is when somebody is apathetic towards my show. And then I'm like, oh, you... Oh, yeah. you hate mm-hmm. it. Um, if you hate me, that's <laughs> fine. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there and there's there's so much there's very there's so much that's sweet about our show, and it becomes I think is the nature of the nature of shows nowadays because of social media. You know, you are in this with the people that have watched you and been supportive of you for so long, and so trying to figure out a way. To not be Game of Thrones <laughs> is ideally is definitely on everyone's mind. But also just at the end of the day, what it has to come down to is what's best for these characters. Going back mm. to the first episode, I, I recently rewatched the first season because I wanted to kind of see what we had promised all the way back in season one. Yeah. And, you know, whether or not that was the intention, uh, you make promises as a storyteller at the very beginning of your show. and. It's important to see whether or not that you've how either either how are you going to fulfill those promises or make those promises different, like subvert the promises, because uh, I feel like um, mm. uh, how I met your mother is a show that like tried to hold on to those promises a little too tightly. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and how do you how do you grow with the show? How do you accept that the show has grown mm. is is you know it's a lot i i really love our ending uh i've heard it every time i've heard it i've cried um so good sign good i mean hopeful i also just like care deeply about these people and i i'm excited about it i'm excited uh not that it's ending because i hate anything ending ever um but i'm super honored to be a part of a thing that has mattered to me a lot to be able to like be in the room and just watch as people very respectfully try and and figure out the best way to uh lay these characters to rest you know to to utilize the carry on my way inside of it all (laughs) (laughs) was there anything else that you wanted to touch on something that i i think that i we do that i enjoy is i so i have a religion degree because i was going to be a youth pastor which is a fun party conversation topic that i bring out Whenever I feel uncomfortable. So did our editor 
Eric. Oh, and no way. now you both work on mythological uh, shows, yeah. which I think is very apt. <laughs> I think so too. And that's that's the thing that I always actually really appreciated about about Supernatural. Even before I worked on the show, uh, I loved the way that it's hopeful. And I love the way that it took religion. Like it takes the heart, like the heart behind religion. It, it may not be because we don't necessarily do a lot. We have done a couple of times like we've done gods and goddesses there's there's one particular episode in season five we did like a whole bunch of gods um that's pretty good but we don't delve into it a lot of time um which is fine it's just the way that it's it's what works for the show and what doesn't but uh mm-hmm. i love kind of the the heart behind the all of the times of using religion it, it was so interesting to me to like be be a kid that was like in the south growing up very religious and seeing this show like how this show their show uh the, the show kind of ta- their takes on religion has always been really interesting and so to be able to kind of like add in my own two cents has been fun uh because i i love a good uh, we, we don't really have them anymore kind of the like what what you guys talk about in terms of the past lores and past uh spiritualities and things like that like we're this particular mm. time uh that we exist in we've already kind of accepted one thing or another we've already accepted like the religion and we've already accepted whatever and we don't have we don't have new versions of it and so i think our new like quote unquote mm. new versions are television uh, and and to see yeah. the kind of myth like mythos that's created within that is is been really interesting and fun and how it takes things that like I grew up with within religion and and explains it even better to me. Yeah, I love that, and that's such a cool opportunity to be able to um, be a part of the ongoing mythos. Yeah, yeah, and from a fan perspective too, I I like the things that a show or a book or a text like gestures at, but doesn't necessarily explain. Right. Like having one episode where a bunch of gods and goddesses are introduced, that gives like, that's like a whole tag on AO3. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, that's a whole <laughs> kind of corner of the world that people can build out and explore for exactly. themselves, which is awesome. Yeah. A hundred percent. Letting people kind of exist and live with their own spaces, which is also, I think, part of world building, like you were talking about before. Like being able to say, yeah, that's part of this world. This world does exist within that, but we don't have... We, we we can't focus on that right now. That's not the that's for that's for you and AO3 or you and other spaces to kind of play around <laughs> with. And that's that's really cool and magical. Hashtag Marauders era. Am I right? Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Truly. Well, Megan, thank you so much for coming on bright and early before your workday starts <laughs> to speak with us about Supernatural and writing and endings and all of the amazing things that we touched on. Um, so please let our audience know where they can reach you and where they can, I don't know, delve more into Supernatural. Oh, man. Uh, well, Supernatural is all on Netflix for who knows how much longer because the streaming wars are nigh <laughs> upon us. So uh watch oh boy <laughs> yeah uh not looking forward to that but uh it's all on netflix and also on dvd we're one of the few shows that like still continues to put out dvds mostly because there's so many of them and people started a collection like 14 years ago <laughs> they don't want to stop so <laughs> um yeah we're we're around uh i am on twitter at megfits 89 I'm on Instagram as that. I'm on pretty much every form of social media as Megfits89. And then uh, Wine and Comics is on Twitter at Wine and Comics. Uh, Red Rhino is Red Rhino Pod. Yeah. Check me out. Check everything out. Come hang out. 
I talk a lot about supernatural and a lot about <laughs> stories and yeah, and cry a lot, basically. That's just all I do. <laughs> Uh, that's the internet for you. You're, right. You're so good and also relatable on Twitter, which I really appreciate. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Awesome. Well, Megan, thank you so much. And listeners, whether you're in heaven, hell, or somewhere in between, remember, <laughs> stay creepy, stay cool. Thank you again to our sponsors. At stitchfix.com slash spirits, you can get 25% off when you keep all of the items in your box. And Our Plague Year is a new podcast from Joseph Fink of Welcome to Night Vale, available in any of your podcast players or nightvalepresents.com slash year. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us your urban legends at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Just $1 gets you access to audio extras with so much more available too. Recipe cards, director's commentaries, exclusive merch, and real physical gifts. We are a founding member of Multitude, a collective of independent audio professionals. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. And above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please share us with your friends. That is the very best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time. <laughs>